Hello and welcome to Dream Slam, an all-women's wrestling podcast. I'll be hosting on my own today. I'm Psycho Sawyer. I've been wrestling out of Edmonton since 2015. Um, my big goal for this podcast is to give as much coverage to women's wrestling as possible. I feel like in in the change of course in the last few years, there's been a lot of talk about evolution and like better representation, but it's very hard to find. Like, it's always very exciting to me to see, like, like the big companies putting women on for, like, main events and putting them on posters and, like, acknowledging that they have women. But there's been all, like, all female companies around for the longest time. I don't want it to be hard to find things about women's wrestling. I've always felt like it was a bit of a struggle since I started getting into it. Like, I don't want to have to listen to a random old dude who's been covering this for 20 years spend an hour worshipping every dude on the program, take two minutes to say that the chicks are still ugly, and then go back to talking about how great all the men are. There's been some podcasts that have covered this actually pretty well that I've really enjoyed. I've always felt like Stone Cold gives really good, like, equal coverage to whoever he's talking about. Like, he talks about the wrestlers doing wrestling. He doesn't seem to have any secondary attachment to that. But that's not the easiest thing to find. So... My goal is to do at least two or three of these a month. Um, I just want to find as much different material to cover as I can. So I do have a rundown of a couple, like, quick news points um, from plenty of different places in wrestling. Um, I have a, like, a quick call for Raw and SmackDown for this week. Coverage of Ice Ribbon's year-end show, which was pretty cool. And then talk about the two women's matches in TNA Homecoming. And the first point of business I'd like to talk about is Priscilla Kelly. She was one of the contestants on this year's Mae Young Classic. She's been wrestling in the States for at least a couple years. I know she worked in Japan a bit a year or two ago, and she's recently made headlines primarily in wrestling and a little bit outside of wrestling for a spot that she did with a wrestler named Tuna, where she removed a, like a quote-unquote bloody tampon from her pants and made her, like rubbed it on her opponent's face. This is, I'll hear people saying that it's distasteful. Like, that's not inaccurate. Uh, it was a lot. But also, if you've seen her wrestle before, like, it's not out of her ballpark in the slightest. I've seen her, like, dig around, like, in the crotch of her tights more than once and, like, slap people with her crotch hand. I saw her start, like, a six-person human centipede in a match for Fest Wrestling that I think had Sue Young in it. Um, when she wrestled with Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling last year, because she's known to lick you. She was wrestling against Hyper Miyaso, who covered her mask in wasabi because she knew she was going to get her face licked, so she may as well make it super unpleasant. Uh, I feel like it's a not all the time, not with everyone. But if you listen to the actual video footage of it, the crowd goes nuts for it. Like, it gets a huge reaction, and it sounds like it's really well received. And, like, that that's the goal. How many more people know who Priscilla Kelly is now than they did before. It's an interesting tactic to pick up, but I don't think it's not legitimate. 
Mm-hmm. We have a couple title changes from promotions to bring up as well. Millie McKenzie won the Sendai Girls Junior Champion. She's sponsored by Suplex Apparel. She's tied pretty heavily to Pete Dunne from NXT UK and wrestles a similar like technical British style. Uh, I haven't seen as much of her stuff as I'd like to, but I feel like she's like a really crisp, clean worker, and I look forward to seeing more of her things, more of her work. Jordan Grace, who currently wrestles with TNA, as well as, well as other programs, uh, TNA has a bit of an open licensing thing where you can wrestle for them and you can wrestle for other companies on the independents, which seems like for them it's a really healthy option. Uh, Jordan Grace won the Progress Women's title off of Ginny, who is currently signed to NXT UK, which could be a great way to bring some worlds together. It's probably not going to happen. The Women of Honor title changed hands from Sumi Sakai to Kelly Klein. Both of them have been there, like, in the Women of Honor brand since day one. I don't really know where it's going to go from there. Um... I feel like Women of Honor is a little bit hidden. Like, it's easy to find if you look on YouTube, and they tend to put all of those matches up for free. But where I might not be as up-to-date as I used to be with Ring of Honor, I don't know that they give the women TV time. Which seems kind of counterintuitive. Like, if you are, if you have women wrestling for your company, and you want to say that you're proud of them, uh, you're proud to represent them, enough to the point where they have their own title, why can't they be included in your main brand? Maybe they have been added since the last time I really caught up, but the last time I checked it out, it wasn't really a thing. And a fifth title that I'd like to bring up is Shotzi Blackheart became the inaugural Sabotage Intergender Champion. Uh, intergender wrestling is something that I think is great. It's, it's equal opportunities. I think if we're looking at the context of people training and learning how to wrestle properly, you're always going to see matches that are unfair. But I don't ne- believe that like a woman and a man wrestling are inherently wrong. I think you're going to see size differences and like skill and technique differences, but that's no different between like a tall dude and a smaller woman versus a tall dude and a small dude. Like it's I think it's unreasonable to cut it off like that. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, notably, wrestled Joey Ryan last year, dressed as a giant penis. He's the man of the dick flips. It wasn't a bad match. I feel like it must have been hard to move in the costume, but she seemed happy to do it. So how bad can it have been? If there's any other companies that have, like, interesting title changes, cool, like, newsworthy things... I can only find so much stuff on my own. Feel free to like, like, send it to me on Twitter at DreamSlamAWWP and let me know what's going on if there's any companies that you really love that you want to see talked about. Because that's pretty much the entire point of this. So on Raw this week, the big spot at the end was Alexa Bliss debuting her new, like, Ms. TV, Cutting Edge, um, the gimmick Jericho had with his TV... Um, so they did a hype package for Ronda Rousey, probably because of who was delivering it. It seemed very sarcastic and underhanded, which, like, totally suits what's going on. 
Naya cuts in and pretty much, like, demands that she should be getting a title shot again because she's, like, she's the face breaker and she's everything that they need in this division. Uh, her and Rousey exchanged words a bit. It felt a little awkward. They're both still... They're both still coming up on that. Like, if we can look at it, like, skill to skill, you'd never know that Ronda's been technically doing wrestling way less time than Rousey, but they're they're on kind of a similar place for talking. I feel like when we hit a point where Ronda doesn't have to be nice to people, like, we've seen her talk when she was in UFC, and we know that, like, she can be that baddest female that she says she is. Like, she can step up to the talk, but I don't think she can do it and be nice at the same time. So I feel like that's a jump they might have to take if they want to have people really believe her. Um, Sasha Banks come down, comes down and says that she wants to be included in the title picture. Um, she declares like she is the line. She goes to the ring. Nia Jax is very dismissive of her to the point that you don't, you almost got the feeling the match wasn't going to happen. Considering how many times like when Nia came up initially, she was an unbeatable monster, but that's definitely simmered down with time. And I don't, like, I don't believe she's able to blow off uh, opponents like that anymore. Like, she's not, she's no longer that bitch like she said she is. Um, so we did get a match. Banks came in, like, super hot on the match. She hasn't been treated as a singles wrestler for more than a little bit. So, like, she did still have Bailey out at ringside with her. Nia Jax had Tamina with her. But it was a singles match at the core of it. Um, yeah, so she took, like, she definitely, like, ran with this opportunity she's been given. She did take a big press slam onto some equipment on the outside as, like, part of a cutoff. Uh, she like she looked like she wasn't gonna make it in a time. Makes it in at nine, uh, which is followed up by a big power bomb. So with that advantage, like Naya definitely works her over a bit, gets her up for that top rope Samoan, and drops Banks onto the ropes. Uh, Bailey fights with Tamina on the outside. Uh, we get to a point where Naya Jax is kneeling on the apron, and there's an attempt at a kneeling Hurricanrana. Like, Banks does everything correct on her end. She does the majority of the time. Um, I would have loved to see if this move would have been 100% committed to by both parties. Because it's a cool spot. Like, I've seen people do things like that um, in other, like, in other matches. Zelina Vega, who manages Andrade Cien Almas, uh, that's one of her, like, big spots as a manager actually is to like run in and take whoever uh, Almas is working down with that and that one always looks really pretty like I'd, I can't wait to see Sasha pull it out on someone else pretty much uh so we had Banks go over on the match it's exciting to see I feel like the crowd was not as hot for her as they used to be and that's hard to maintain um there was all the weirdness with her and Bailey last year, and it was easy to, like, it's easy to not be as engaged. But if, like, you really want the company to step up and look after her, you have to, like, be there for her when she is. Um, 
like you t- you have to work with the opportunities you get. And she definitely put it out there. Like I I'm excited to see what happens next. I hope it's not just uh like a flash in the pan kind of thing. Uh so the next program we have from them is SmackDown. We had Mandy Rose come out and distract the Usos during their match. She's been kind of working a steal your man gimmick on Naomi, which I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of. I also do appreciate that it's not the common everyday thing. Like we I feel like we've seen people like pick at each other for who they're dating. But I feel like I haven't seen an angle in wrestling be focused around the boy's mind for a while. Uh, the Usos lose. Naomi flips her shit backstage and jumps Mandy Rose again. I'm not... They've been building this for a while. And, like, they've been talking smack online. I hope that it ends up paying off in the long run. Uh, I do feel a little funny about it. I think it would be a great twist if it isn't that... If it's not that Mandy Rose is trying to steal Jimmy Uso... I think it would be funnier if she's just trying to break them up so, like, Sonya can date Naomi. I feel like that's what we really need, man. <laughs> uh, to close off SmackDown, we had the triple threat match between Charlotte, Becky, and Carmella to determine who was going to face Asuka. I feel like a lot of people looking at the initial lineup for this match didn't really fit think everything fit together we know charlotte and becky have been going out there and murdering each other for a couple months that's very satisfying to watch um but carmella really held her own like she made her own good point that she's not a legacy person and she's from the wwe factory and like she's she's her own person and she's getting doing this on her own um but, like, she, I wasn't disappointed with anything she did. She works a very, like, 80s women trained by the fabulous moolah kind of style. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a little weird in the landscape of what everybody else does. But if we want to go back to everything wrestling, everybody wrestling the same as each other, we're going to go back to, like, Kelly Kelly. Not to disparage her, but there was, like, there was definitely a specific style for a bit for the women and I'd rather see 20 different things than see one thing 20 times um Becky and Charlotte are still very much going after each other though like they they kind of treated Carmella a bit like an afterthought like they're just gonna peck at each other the whole time um I feel like one of the coolest spots also like to go back to Carmella was that she got flair in the code of silence like from a roll-up uh, which was a really nice spot. Like, it was so fluid. Like, she's definitely, like, she's been getting better. She's been doing better the whole time. Uh, she broke up, like, all the pins. She got, like, a whole human being chucked on her. Um, Becky did go over, um, with the armbar on Carmella. This keeps Flair, like, ultimately really strong. Uh, before that... I did get ahead of myself. Uh, We see Flair go for the moonsault to the outside, and she hits nobody. (laughs) Uh, And as soon as she goes to pop up, like, Carmella and Becky both get, like, right back on top of her, which I think is a nice counter to that. Um, But yeah, so back to the previous point. Becky 
does win the match. She is going to face Asuka, which is a match that was brought up by Paige when they brought when she brought up that like, hey, you guys fired me from being the general manager. Well, I was gonna do this. So I feel like it's gonna be a good match. That's not a pairing we've got to see yet, which I think is really exciting as well. Like we have so many options. Um, I do sometimes miss the beginning of the brand split, but I don't think Raw did as well. But SmackDown, um, like every single woman had their own storyline. And only two of them were, like, they didn't have a belt formally yet either, I think. Like, they'd just gotten one. So everybody was doing something different. I feel like that's the ideal way to, like, have things run. Um, but I'm excited to see what we manage to turn up for the Royal Rumble. So next I'd like to cover the Ice Ribbon year-end show. It was on December 31st, so obviously the end of the year. So there was a variety of matches in it. There's like a triple threat, there's tag matches, there's a lumberjack match, which I'm definitely going to tell you about. The one that I had really wanted to tune in for was the Risa Sara and Hikaru Shida death match. Um, I thought Sarah had stopped doing death matches last year. I swear that I read she was retiring from them because she did that nice big marathon one with uh, Crazy Monkey. And it's, like, I love that she has different gear for when she does them, too. Like, it's, there's a lot of care in what she's doing, which I think is really nice. Um, yeah, so this is a match at Corican Hall that seems like a really, like, it's a really nice venue. I love seeing it so often. I'd like to be in it someday. Who knows? We got a debut match from Suzu Suzuki against Asahi. I definitely said that wrong, and I'm very sorry. Uh, there was some, like, really well-performed match, despite Suzuki being new, and that being her first, like, her debut match. Like, nothing looked loose or out of place. Like, she looked like she confidently knew what she was doing. There, uh, she won on a German suplex. She's like, I'm excited to see her do more stuff in the future, um, I just don't have a super strong opinion on her yet. Um, there was a lumberjack match, which had Julia and Shinya Akoi against Tequila Saya and Hideki Suzuki. In the spirit of a lumberjack match, uh, Hideki Suzuki got beat up by everybody. Everybody. Like, he got beat up on the outside by the lumberjacks, he got beat up on the inside by the lumberjacks. I... Don't know 100% what he did wrong, but I bet it's something. Uh, there was also a really nice spot where the uh, where the one tag team, like, each person whipped their respective partner off the ropes. So, like, Julia whipped Tequila Saya off the ropes. Um, and they, like, same with uh, Shinya and Hideki. They both whipped, like, whipped their person off the ropes. They both got caught in a cross arm breaker, which was, like, really fluid and really clean. Uh, and we actually saw the guys get powerbombed onto the girls <laughs> to break it up. Um, we had, uh, so Julia and Shinya Aoki went over at the end of that match. There's a match for the triangle ribbon title, which, like, <laughs> it was full of shenanigans. It was kind of strange. Um, it did have Hiroyo Matsumoto in it. She was one of the contestants in the Man Classic as well. It was Lady Godzilla. I didn't recognize her 
initially. Like, she's got two very separate looks she goes back and forth with, and I'm used to having her, like, the long curly hair. And so I kept, like, because I saw she was on the card, and I was excited to see her, and I had to make sure. And I feel really silly for that. Um, but it was, like, it was a fun comedy match. In the end, the, uh, ref won the title. Yeah, it was a little weird. It wasn't, none of it was poorly done. Um, the ref that had been looking after the whole match got knocked out. They called for her to come up and help, which her help was a top rope crossbody. And she just ended up pinning them, and the other ref caught it in time. So she's got a nice title now. Uh, so the hardcore match was next between Risa Sarah and Hikaru Shida. Like I said, I, I really, really enjoy watching these two. There's, like, a lot of big, like... Because they both have done death matches, and Risa Sarah is known for doing death matches. There's a pretty high expectation there. There's, like, power bombs onto chairs. There's Sam's onto ladders. Like, you got all the gimmicks in the match. Uh, Sheeta missed a big boot into the ladder at one point and took out her own leg. Um, which gives Sarah room to take back over. Um, there's a huge chair shot that, like, took the bottom off the chair in the match. Like, if you dug the old-style American death matches, so maybe not the ones with, like, weed whackers and 20 panes of glass. This, like, is exactly at the heart of this. Um, Sarah... One with a Rasha Hasami onto stairs and chairs. It looked terribly painful. There was a... Next was a match for the International Ribbon Tag Team titles. Um, Kiari and Mariko Zaki went against the lovely Butchers, who were the veterans in that match. All of the tag work was super like elegant and flowing and well put together. Um, there's also a lot of moves I didn't expect to see. Like, I got to see a muscle buster. The muscle buster's a great move. I understand why nobody's currently doing it, uh, like, in America. But, hey, it's a super cool move. Um, they, yeah, Kiri and Ozaki ended up going over on it. I believe it's their first tag title win. It was it was a nice match. If If nothing else, I'd really recommend, like, for people that are into or who do tag team wrestling. Just to, like, look at the smoothness in how they work together. Like, it looks like it's it's one brain in two bodies. It was super elegant. Um, the last match on this card was the Ice Infinity title. Which had Tsukata Fujimoto against Maya Yuhiki. Um, this is probably one of the, like, most, like, it's just classic nice like joshi style wrestling like your minami toyotas and your akira kodu style matches um it was very dynamic like it was super easy to watch and it was very exciting i'm like i feel like i was just overall excited enough about it that like it was hard for me to think of specific spots that i was the most excited about but if you dig the, like, old, like, Japanese women's wrestling, 
it, it's like this match happened 20 years ago with that same amount of like skill and it was super hard hitting. Um, I feel bad that I'm not more familiar with these wrestlers because I really, really enjoyed what they did. Um, there was a spot where we saw a pile driver get reversed into a running tombstone pile driver, and I'm still not totally sure how it happened. It was, like, it was something. It was amazing. Um, the match ended up, uh, Maya Yukiki won with a snowton bomb, which is pretty much a swanton bomb, um, to capture the title. It's a... The only downside, I would say, to this pay-per-view is there wasn't any, like, English commentary. So I'm fine to watch this and take, like, I've watched enough wrestling without commentary that, like, I'm, it's just what I'm good at now. And I would love to hear what the commentators are talking about, but I can understand where it might not be as digestible to other people. If it sounds like it might be up your alley, definitely give it a shot. I really, really liked the hardcore match. It wasn't, like, silly or dismissive, and there was so much wrestling inside of the hardcore action. I know it's not everybody's thing, but I feel like it was a great example of it. The final thing that we're going to cover tonight is TNA Homecoming. I know it did come out, like, about a week or two ago. But I, um, I feel like TNA's always been a little funny. In the, they've had some good women's wrestling over the years, but it's really well hidden. Like, Rosemary broke through and got, like, so over with the fans that, like, she became one of the faces of the company. But in all my time of, like, spectating it, unless you looked for it, I found it hard to find out that there were women in it. And they would give them, like... They got to do so much cool stuff. They had like they had different. They had lots of factions. All of the characters were distinctly different characters. Um, they did some cool stuff. Kind of the same thing with Ring of Honor, like T, uh, TNA or Impact, I believe they are now. Um, they just don't really bring up to the same degree that they have women, and I don't totally understand it. Like. <sighs> If you want them to be part of your brand and to help, like, help you make money at the core of it, you need to let people know they're there. Uh, so there was two women's matches on the card for TNA Homecoming. We got a tag match between Sue Young and Dark Alley versus Kiara Hogan and Jordan Grace. Um, a thing I appreciated for both of the women's matches was they've, um, TNA, like, really doubles down on their cinematics and their video packages. Like, that's kind of why the uh, Broken Matt Hardy worked so well. Because they committed to having them do all this shit on their farm. And all of the things in their weird universe. Like, if you half-ass it and you're doing weird, surreal things, it's really easy for people to not take it seriously. And I'm not going to say all of it is amazing looking. But the idea of it's like, oh yeah, we just went through a portal to hell to save our friend that got stolen by a, an undead bride. And they're going to have a magic fight now. It's super easy to not take seriously. But they do it with conviction. And they hand it to you with all that conviction. So it's so much easier to 
just roll with what you're given and not worry about it. Um, also, Jordan Grace is a tank. Like, she went toe-to-toe with Bubba Ray Dudley at All In. Um, she's, like, <laughs> when you look at, like, Karma and Beth Phoenix and China, like, that degree of, like, strong women. She's definitely, like, one of the big folks coming up on that. Like, Lufisto has also been like that, but, like, Jordan Grace has a couple little TV spots now, so that's really good. Um, to start the match off, we had Allie and Jordan Grace. Uh, Grace blocked both opening shots from Allie and took over right away. Um, Allie, like, there was a bunch of quick tags between the heels. Allie tags out, Kira Hogan gets tagged in. Um, there's just, like, Hogan stays on top of Sue Young the whole time. Like, the baby faces are super full of fire. Uh, they're really believable. Like, I was excited for what they did. Um, after Allie got tagged back in, like, she rolled out to the... She rolled out right away. Um, and there was a bit of, like, she refused to get in the ring. It ended up baiting people to the outside of the ring. It ended up baiting people and the ref to the outside. Um, which ended up with, like, Hogan was climbing up to the top rope, probably to dive on Allie, who was on the outside, and she got cut off by Sue Young, which led kind of an unconventional heat. Like, Sue Young's an unconventional wrestler. She's, like, at that, like, Undertaker level of commitment, where if you can't do this properly, don't do it. And I thoroughly enjoy her character. Jordan Grace takes a hot tag from Allie. Um, I don't feel like we got too much for Hope Spots. Like, this was not a super long match. Um, Allie, like, takes the hot comeback and gets gets out right away. There's a tag team vertical suplex slam off the apron. That's not a great description. Uh, Jordan Grace got the opponent up into a vertical suplex. Hogan like, ran off the apron and, like, cross-bodied her down. It was a really effective way to cut someone off. We get back in the ring. Hogan hits a fisherman's buster on Allie, and it gets broken up by Sue Young. Jordan hits a, a power slam and a power bomb at the same time, and she, like, holds those girls up for a good couple seconds. Like, she could have walked around with them. She's... You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to try really hard to chop her down. Allie still kicks out, though. Like of the pin, Grace walks into the mist from Sue Young. Allie gets the glove from her for the purge and sets up Hogan for that with the mandible cloth, and she ends up taking a loss there. Uh, after the match, Sue Young and Allie go to put Hogan in the coffin they bring out with all the undead bridesmaids. And Rosemary is in it. Uh, she fights off all the undead bridesmaids, uh, and she's really obviously favoring her leg. Like, I don't think they're going to have her back to full capacity soon. But I'm really excited she's back. She tries to reconnect with Allie. And, like, she goes for the cute little head pat they did when they were friends, but Allie flips out and leaves the ring. Like, with her being possessed by the dark spirits she picked up when she tried to save Rosemary, she hasn't quite been herself. I feel like this is going to lead to like a good string of fights 
between Rosemary and Sue Young. I believe they had, like, they've definitely been paired off before, but they're, I enjoy watching them work. Like, and they, they're trailing into other companies, too. Like, there's, um, there's a match coming up on the Rise card that has Rosemary managing somebody wrestling against Sue Young. So, like, that's just another piece of them being connected. I was a little worried when I heard that Sue Young was going to impact because they already had Rosemary and they already had one spooky girl and now they have two and they're not the same characters and it's it's really exciting to me. I like the variety of humans we're getting in wrestling, not just like in a physical type, in a character type. The last match we're going to cover tonight is Taya Valkyrie versus Tessa Blanchard with Gail Kim as a referee. Uh, this is a really nice mix of styles. We have like an old school, classic American style wrestler, wrestling, versus a like a modern lucha style. Uh, Taya takes a strike heavy offense right from the get go. They uh, she definitely like keeps Blanchard under her control for a bit until she gets hung up on the ropes. Blanchard gets down to dirty as fast as she can. Like, she doesn't really give Taya any breathing room, even when they're on the outside. Like, she's super intensely on her. Until she get like, for a good while, Taya works her way, like, back up to a comeback. And Blanchard keeps trying to get back in control, but doesn't make it until she goes for a her buzzsaw DDT, which gets reversed into a Northern Lights. Blanchard gets put down again. Taya goes for the moonsault and completely misses it. Blanchard ends up hitting Gail Kim with a forearm after this as well. Like There's a bit of confusion in their interaction. Uh, Blanchard like goes for the pin and gets a three count, but there's no ref. So she's already getting hot. Like Blanchard wrestles like a hothead. So it looks like she goes to leave, but she actually gets the impact knockouts title. Yeah, so she goes back to the ring. She te- she makes like she's gonna hit Taya with it, and Kim tries to fight back with her to like to get it back out of her hands. And Gail Kim ends up being the one that hits Taya Valkyrie with the title. Kim seems really hesitant though to count the pin after this. Like she knows she goofed. Blanchard flips out at her. Taya tries to capitalize with a schoolboy on this, but it gets broken up right away. Taya, like, they go back and forth a bit, like, corner to corner. Like, Taya keeps trying to get up on Blanchard and vice versa. Blanchard ends up hitting a second rope code breaker, which is a nice spot, but it still isn't enough. She gets back in Gail Kim's face again after, like, not getting the three count on the code breaker. Like, I feel like this is often a downfall for Tessa Blanchard, is she gets mad, and she loses it. Like, she went to go and, like, literally choke Gail Kim. Like, that's not how you win a match. You should know better. So Gail Kim gets fed up and hits a neat defeat on her, which feeds right into a road to Valhalla, and Taya wins. So at least... Until Johnny's match, you know, they were Mr. and Mrs. Impact. I believe they are. I feel like it takes away from the ending that we ended up having the interference from the referee be why there was a finish. Like, it was kind of the same issue with Ronda Rousey coming down and messing up the SmackDown women's TLC match. Like, it's great that Asuka won, and I'm super excited about it, but... 
because it's not by her own hand, it doesn't really matter as, like, it doesn't matter as much to people. It's easier to blow off and treat like it wasn't worth anything, because, like, Alaska did not do it on her own. She absolutely could have. Maybe Taya would have, and maybe Taya wouldn't have. With Gail Kim declaring that she retired last year, this seems like a weird spot to put yourself in. Uh, especially unnecessarily. Like, they're either going to have to double down on moving forward with, like, a program between Kim and Blanchard, or they're just going to do what with this? You know, like, there's... It opens up a specific amount of options. So that's everything I've got covered for this week. I didn't have a chance to make it to make it to watching NXT or NXT UK. I do know a bit about the results for that, but like not enough to cover it in any way that I'm going to feel okay with. I do know that it was Nikki Cross's last NXT match this week against Bianca Belair. I'm excited to see her coming up. I worry she's a cut. It takes a lot of commitment to do what she's doing, and you have to have... You, you can't just drop the ball on it. Like, I miss Finn Balor being the demon, and I'm worried that in a year I'm going to miss Nikki Cross being Nikki Cross. But, so that's all of our coverage for this week. If there's anything you'd like to see me cover on, like, in the next two weeks for watching and discussing, please give me a heads up and let me know. You can tell me through... Facebook at Soraya Sawyer or through Twitter at Dream Slam All Women's Wrestling Podcast. I'd like to thank the Buckingham as well. They're going to be hosting the Royal Rumble on January 27th and I'm going to be hosting trivia and I'll have tickets available for sale beforehand there. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.